show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Sid for Thursday, January 28th. I'm Tim, Tim McAuliffe. He's Sid Sixero. Got it. You probably know my own name at this point in my career. <laughs> as long as you figure out between now and the 26th, I think we're good. Then we're good. Then we're good. Uh, that's, that's Sid Sixero. I won't get tired of not having that tongue twister every day. <laughs> One you handle uh, every day with class, by the way. It is it is not the easiest name, so I'll give you, you some credit Screw up my there. own name. I get your well, name, whatever. I screw up my own name. I've only had it for 45 my, years. As long as mine's okay, that's fine. But I'm a team <laughs> we're player. Live on, I'm a team player. We're live on TV radio and streaming on Sportsnet now. Uh, most of you know we work for Rogers Communications. Correct. But today, one of those days uh, where it feels like we're all pulling on the same rope. It is mm-hmm. Bell Let's Talk Day across the country, which not only raises money for mental health initiatives across Canada, but also, um, very importantly, allows the conversations to happen. Maybe even more importantly, allows the conversations to happen regarding mental health, a conversation that I'm sure means a lot to many, especially considering the events of the past 10 to 11 months. Uh, here, here, McAuliffe. Yeah. Coming up, we will keep that conversation going. Sportsnet's Ken Reed, a dear friend of ours, um, told a story last month in the Toronto Star. I don't know how many of you caught it. I know a lot of you did. But considering uh, how important this day has become culturally, Tim, and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm, I'm speaking, I, I don't think that's hyperbole. I think whoever came up with this idea deserves a lot of credit because this has become an event yearly in this country now, an important one where we all just kind of take a moment and make sure we're okay and we talk to each other. Ken Reed has a, has a story to tell. He told it in the Star last month. Uh, we'll have him on in hour two of this program, and we will continue the conversation with uh, Kenny, a dear, dear friend. Also, Brian Burke will join us. we got 13 games in the National Hockey League this evening, Timmy. Yes. Kenny the Jet Smith of Inside the NBA will drop by. Uh, Kyle Lowry hits 10,000 points as a Raptor last night. Does he finish the year, Timmy, as a Raptor? Does he? I don't want to start anything. And I'm not saying he wants to go, but depending on how this Raptor season goes between now and March 25th trade deadline, I don't know. Kyle Lowry's a popular guy. He's got a chip. All, it's, all, it's all from a place of love. I'm just saying. We'll talk about it with Kenny. And, uh, oh, yeah, the Jays aren't done doing stuff. We'll tell you about their latest move last night. And yeah. uh, much more here on Tim and Sid. But, let's, uh, Tim, let's dive into a, uh, a always busy hockey story nowadays. Let's do that. One add-on to your Bell Let's Talk day. Please. It is an important day. It has become uh, a day where we have these conversations, but it's okay to have them for the next 364 as Correct. well. And I know you weren't insinuating anything uh, other than that, but I also think it's an important add-on that this is a very important day, but it is also a reminder that we need to do it more than just this day. Here, here. Uh, that said, here, here. let's talk a little sports. Let's do it. Three. You said 13. Three of them are in the North Division tonight. Flames and Habs, Leafs and Oilers, both playing the first of two in a row, while the Sens and Canucks will play the finale of their three-game set in Vancouver. The Canucks won the first two by a combined score of 12-2 after last night's 5-1 win. A visit from the Sens was seemingly just what the doctor ordered for the struggling Canucks. What's been the most encouraging part of the last two games in our lower mainland? That they can smile. 
<laughs> that the Canucks can smile, that the fan base can just take a breath. But, like, Canuck fans are smart, right? They know to enjoy last night and the previous game, and we'll see what happens coming up tonight. But, like, they're smart fans. They know Ottawa's a young team here. They're learning. They're finding their way. So no one's saying they're going to finish top four. But the one thing that did stick out to me last night for the Canucks, to me is the tic-tac-toe between Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes and that ended up in the goal. And I'm specifically bringing up Quinn Hughes because there's been a lot to talk about with the Canucks, Elias Patterson and the goaltending and this and that and kind of what's going on. Timmy, Quinn Hughes leads all defensemen to scoring right now. I know we're, I know we're early, but it's also a 56-game season, and these games matter too. Right. He leads all defensemen in scoring. Were it not for Shea Theodore in Vegas, he'd lead all defensemen in shots on goal. I think we would all agree his five-on-five five play needs a little work. I think you can tell that immediately, and he's not the only one on that team. It's a young hockey team. But I'm looking at Quinn Hughes, and like he's quietly building a foundation here to start this season where we all know that the best defenseman doesn't always win the, North, the Norris Trophy. The best defensive defenseman anyway. Like Stats matter in this, in this department. So I'm just looking at Quinn Hughes, and I'm really, really, really excited. On a team full of youth, uh, this start is phenomenal for him offensively. He he looks yeah. great, and I'm kind of excited. Again, if he could tighten things up five on five, Tim, uh, and he had trouble last year, obviously. He's young, though. Man, I'm excited. Man, so I'm excited about this player. Oh, yeah, so gifted oh. offensively. And, and, and Pedersen, I think, you know, like I asked you, what's the most encouraging part of this? And listen. Pedersen, two points is good. I know it's Ottawa, and I know they're struggling, but sometimes it's like the free throw in basketball, man. You just need one to go in, and then all of a sudden the floodgates open. Uh, JT Miller. And you and I had this conversation about Thatcher Demko yesterday, and I thought it might be the right move to start him again. So he makes 42 saves in his second straight win. He now has 77 saves on 79 shots in his last two games. Like yesterday, you weren't so sure about starting him in the back-to-backs. This is why no. Travis Green and I are so smart, but I digress. <laughs> well, it's, for it's, one, I agree with one of you on that. I agree with one of you on that. All right. It's nice to get to two <laughs> wins, but let me say this. Demko, in his five starts, has now faced 198 shots. For the mathematicians out there, they wow. know that's almost 40 shots a game, and that wow. is not good enough. Like, I don't care who's hurt. I don't care who's in the lineup. You can't allow a kid to face 40 shots a game. The the 198 shots, Sid, second most in the league to only Miko Koskinen, who has been forced to play all eight games for the Oilers this year. Demko's played five. So if the Vancouver Canucks are going to allow this versus the Senators and hope that this is going to be the way of the future, they got another thing coming. That's simply not good enough, and they have got to change that because not everyone is the Ottawa Senators, and I don't care who you got in goal. It could be the prime of Patrick Waugh between the pipes. You're not going to win hockey games doing that. Yeah, and again, like I was saying with Quinn Hughes, right? Like this team, if you give them a man advantage, the skill is there to do a lot of damage. Right. However, they're they're still trying to find themselves in the most relevant part of the game. So it's going to be interesting. Go ahead, sir. Can I make a comparison that of course that Vancouver fans are going to hate, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> the, the, just like the targets wide on what Canuck fans hate, just so we're clear. That's like, true. 
there's a lot there that they could you could throw a dart at, and oh, that'll piss off Canuck fans. That'll piss off the lower mainland, the lower mainland. Pardon me. So go up, free right. Go ahead. Careful, Jim Benning, Travis Green, and Canucks fans. You're starting to look like the Leafs of a couple years ago. Oh wow! Just be very oh, careful. Oh wow! You have this Someone's abundance timeline of skill. Got busy. Someone's timeline just got busy. Abundance of. I'll explain it. You have an abundance of skill. And you think that skill can win you hockey games. You've got to add a little bit more to it. You can't allow 40 shots a game on a young goaltender. Just say yeah. that. That that okay. I would agree with. Um, all right, so we'll see. I mean, I, I expect the Canucks to wrap that one up tonight, but you never know. This is the North Division where you got to throw hey, the it's records hard, out. Hard, hard to beat a team three times in a season. You know that, Sid. It's That's hard to tough, tough to win, Tough to win that third game in a three-game homestand in the National Hockey League, Tim, as we know. Um, the other two games, we got Calgary, Montreal. As Tim alluded to, Calgary, Montreal tonight. Montreal's first home game of the season. Uh, to listen to Josh Anderson, Tim, talk about – because Claude Julien made a point of specifically wanting to practice at the Bell Center yesterday because they've been at Broussard the whole time. Yeah. So he wanted the new guys to Foley, Josh Anderson – Romanoff, although Romanoff kind of knows the place a little bit, he wants him to get familiar. And Josh Anderson yep. said it took it, it. Josh said it took him like ten minutes walking around the the dressing room to a get familiar and a call. Yeah, six zero like, digital freeze. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Good. Um, no problem. Keep going. He, it took it took him a chance. It took him a moment to kind of soak in what that room means. <laughs> historically in the world in the world of hockey so it's just really yeah. really interesting um so that's the, in the hall that's, of fame <laughs> yeah it is by the way i know it's still the, the form, best part of the hall whatever. of fame to me it, that's still the best part of the hall of fame to me is the recreation of uh of the form dressing room yeah oh yeah. my god i still every I'm time i go to the hall that. of fame that's like a other than like i go right to the exhibit like where i shoot pucks because i'm five but after that i go right to the forum uh dressing room and it's a good time um to mccallif reaching for her to see oh, the sweater. That's that's the reverse jersey, right? Tim McCall yeah, holding the nice. reverse. That's tight, man. That is nice. A, a variation wow. on on Le Bleu Blanc qui rouge. See you have uh, fans, we give you love. That's tough. That's tough. <laughs> I understand. Uh, and, um, and Tor- Toronto Edmonton tonight, Timmy, as well. Yeah. Um quickly, Marner twelve points, McDavid twelve points. They're tied for the league lead in scoring. I know there's a lot of games left. Has McDavid just already laid down the base he needed to lay down to just go ham here the rest of the way? Is it because that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling? I think he's got it. I think. Um, no, you know. Here's what I'll say. Um, listen, Leon Drysaddle's one point back. Nick Ehlers, great start by the way. Also, just Fantastic. one point back. Here, here's Fantastic. what I will say: uh, the Connor McDavid Leon Drysaddle playing off each other over the last few seasons and giving themselves um, some ridiculous numbers could be also applied to Marner and Matthews this year. I believe, and listen, I really like the way um, Austin Matthews has started this season. He hasn't had much puck luck, and he's still got eight points in seven games. I I really think that a Leaf is going to contend for the Art Ross this year. Given Hmm. the division, the way it breaks down, we've already seen how offensively skilled this division is, and perhaps... How they will struggle to keep, like, I mean, the Ottawa Senators are allowing almost five goals a game. It's early. It's a lot. I don't know if you've looked at Miko Koskinen's numbers, but they're not exactly off the charts either. So you're you're suggesting there's going to be some piling on here before the end of the season? I am suggesting to you there's going to be a lot of scoring all season long, despite what Sheldon Keefe tried to 
tried to correct me on early in the season how they get the scouting reports and they know who they're playing, and I believed them on it. There's going to be a lot of scoring in this division. In fact, it might be the highest scoring division in all of hockey, and that's why you see six of the top eight scorers from the North Division, even though it's early. So I will say this. I believe we will have Canadian team players littered throughout the top of the NHL scoring lead, and I believe that Marner and Matthews will contend for that scoring lead throughout the season, barring injury, of course. Well, they are paid to contend in, in, in those waters, so I think that would make a lot of sense there, Timmy. Go ahead. One, one thing. If you haven't noticed, uh, COVID in the United States is still out of control. There's a yes. postponed game tonight between Las Vegas and St. Louis, and I think a lot of people are just like, they're kind of ho-humming this, and like I, don't, I think we're going to get the exact same thing we saw in the NBA and the exact same thing we saw in the National Football League and the exact and I, I hope hockey fans are ready for it because listen we're struggling in this country too getting some better numbers as of late however still struggling just be get used to this and this shouldn't be a footnote this should be let's take care of this let's move on but it's going to happen. And I, but I think with the Canadian hockey fans, Tim, considering how everything's regionalized, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind right now. But it's coming up here. Right. It's going to happen. Right. Guaranteed. It's going to happen. So I think it's about well, wishing for up. it. I'm just saying. No, but it's we're again, being realistic. Being I realistic. I'll write in and say, <laughs> okay, for that for that dumb person, no, I'm not wishing for it. I'm just being realistic. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's tie a bow on this schedule tonight on Sportsnet, Tim, because we got a lot here. We got Pittsburgh and Boston. First game for Pittsburgh uh, uh, after. Uh, Jim Rutherford walked away from the organization. Sports in Ontario East and Pacific for Boston, Pittsburgh, 7 Eastern tonight. Calgary, Montreal, Montreal's home opener, Sportsnet West this evening. Uh, Leafs in Edmonton, Sportsnet West regionally this evening at 10 o'clock. It's a little later. And uh, we got Sportsnet Pacific again. If, if, you, if you can't get enough, you got another one. Ottawa, Vancouver tonight on the Sportsnet family of channels. One last hockey note, Tim, or, or do you want to move on to basketball here? Let's go to basketball. And just so everyone knows here, we, Kenny the Jetsmith is joining us in the third block this hour. So we got the next block free. So Jays fans, we're going to get to you because we know there was mm-hmm. a move. We will get to you. We got plenty of time in the next segment as well. However, uh, the Raptors, Timmy, banged up and fighting at times. They just didn't have enough last night, 115-108 against the Milwaukee Bucks. They've now completed one quarter of their season, incredibly, and they're tied for 11th in the Eastern Conference uh, with a convenience store record of 7-11. Tim, have your expectations for this team changed since the beginning of this 72-game season? No, but I want a Slurpee. Really, really bad. I <laughs> I, that's why I said it. I need one, too. I need one, um, Yeah, my, my expectations have, have changed, and and probably significantly. significantly. Nailed it. Significantly. Um, I imagine that they would surpass expectations again because that's what they have done for basically the last nine seasons, and we've been spoiled, those who watch the Raptors closely. And that's coming from someone who, at the start of the year, I think I was a, I was a realist, Sydney. Like, I, in comparison, like, I was tempering expectations, but that said, I thought Baines would be a little bit better. Like, when Everybody analytic did. folks are yelling about threes. Is it really Aaron Baines that you want taking those threes? What was he, one of seven last night from three? Like You would think, you would think after like the one of four, if there was a one of four, maybe you stop. You know? Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe Aaron. Then, I'm all for getting Aaron Baines going with you, Tim, but not at, not at all costs. Like, give me a break. 
That's a bit much. Well, but that's what it is, and I know it. Oh, if you can draw the big man out by knocking down a three, then you open up lanes for other guys. But this is the free throw thing. Like, stop for us. My dad keeps turning off the Raptor games because he's pissed off at the calls. He comes over. <laughs> he says, hey, 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 did you watch the game last night? What was it, 14 nothing in the fourth quarter? Like, what's going on? Like, if your center is one of seven from three and is lurking 23 feet from the rim, you're not going to get calls. Big guys get more calls than anybody else. Like, it's just... If you shoot 41 threes or whatever, however many they're jacking up in a game, you're not going to get calls. Now, is it 26 free throws for the Bucks to 12 for the Raptors and whatever it was in the fourth quarter or Indiana 45, Toronto 27? Like, they're 25th in the NBA in free throws. I can't believe Utah is lower and they're still winning games. But Ten straight for Utah. Crazy. This is part and parcel with the way that they're playing the game. And I just, it would, I think it would benefit the team to move on from this or, or, or get players who are going to take it to the rim more often as bigs because the yeah. little guys never get calls. Well, that's, but every, that's the problem, Tim. And like, I'm, 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 I'm really surprised how frustrated Nick Nurse has been here, knowing full well he doesn't have the lineup that takes it to the 10 at all. Right. But, so but of here's, course you're not going to get more calls. It's it's here's mad. where the frustration here's where the frustration lies. Sorry, and I don't want to I don't want to no, interrupt you, but go the ahead. frustration lies with they want to play physical defense, right? And they'll get calls against them, yeah. and then it's they the go back right. the other way, it's the and other they're way. like, well, what? Uh, and it's just like everyone knows what they want to do, and everyone's kind of figured it out. So now the adjustment has to come, and I don't know how you do that because you know what kind of defense they want to play. They want to play real defense, old school defense. And it's like, can you do both? Right now they're having a hard time, but you're right. It's the defensive side too that's killing them because they're a handsy team. Like they want to be that team. I think any good team wants to be a really strong, uh, pesky defensive squad. And the Raptors definitely, with guys like Stanley Johnson and and Fred and everybody in OG, they can be that. They have to be that team. That's going to be your bread and butter. Especially with no bigs that can play offensively, like you got to do something to your advantage. But um, I just I hope the calls start to even out. But there are real things happening here that lead to this issue. Like this isn't this isn't Raptors against the Cavs in the Eastern Final, and the Raptors don't have a free throw for six quarters. Like I don't think this is that. Uh, which actually is the thing that happened. Go look it up, kids. Before uh, before we we break here, Timmy, I do want to bring up Kyle Lowry. Now, Kyle Lowry. Yes, please do. Um, let us remember, Masai almost traded this man back in 2013. He arrived to Toronto. You didn't, like, he and DeMar weren't that tight off the front. That, their own words. It was, you know, Kyle was trying to find himself, and it looked like it would be a quick stop in Toronto. And Masai, Jerry, and the Knicks had a, were very close <laughs> to making that deal happen. That would... How Raptors, that's a whole feature one day, Tim. What would the Raptors look like if Kyle Lowry was traded to the Knicks? Topic for another day. What about if James Dolan didn't get in the way? Well, another thing. That's so Knicks. That's that's amazing. But where I'm going with this is, and most of you know, Kyle Lowry hit 10,000 points as a Raptor last night. And he's known for a lot of things. Like scoring isn't the thing he's known for, but it, it did hit last night. It is a significant milestone considering how crazy Kyle's story is. And after the game, 
uh, you kind of heard him reflecting a bit on his journey as a Raptor, and I thought this was kind of interesting. Roll it. I would have never expected it to be um, here, and I tell you guys that all the time, but um, it just shows, like, you know, in life, things happen, right? Things happen for a reason, and situations happen for a reason. And, you know, you continue to work hard, and you continue to believe in yourself. And, you know, having a city like Toronto have, have back in me and, you know, the relationship myself, Masai, um, Larry Tannenbaum, you know, uh, Bobby, we've, you know, created um, the relationship I had with DeMar, um, you know, you know, all the guys that have been through here, you know, I can I can keep going on naming naming guys and um but it just shows that, you know, hard work pays off and um, you know, in life you can't uh you can't pick and choose where you are meant to be, but when you are there you you take full advantage of it. Tim, the, 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 I mean, that, that piqued me for a number of reasons. My, my question to you here before we break, and if you want to continue it after the fact, please do. Um, th- this organization owes it to Kyle if Kyle approaches them soon and says, you know what, maybe I just want to, I want to try for a ring somewhere else. Do you not think the Raptors owe it to this guy to try and make that happen? Or, or are you on the other side of that? Because that's all I could think of when I was listening to that, how reflective Kyle was about his journey. And it's been quite a journey. Such a great question. Um, I, I do. If you, want to, if you want to pass, go ahead. If you want to think, if you want to think, no, on it, let me know. Because what, what I what I was back. thinking was, do we want to let others weigh in on this? Because I feel like we've we've listen. It's fun to watch Kyle when it's going for him, and sure. I don't know how much longer Raptor fans have to see this. And I'm distracted almost by the weighing of appreciating what Kyle brings to the table and understanding what the future may hold for Kyle Lowry and his earning of whatever the future is for him. Because while we've had our our differences of opinion in the past with Kyle Lowry, I I respect the evolution of his game. And I'm going to be honest, the evolution of my understanding of his game. Like the little things are so on point. And when his shot is dropping like it was last night, you see how impactful he can be. But those little things that he does are harder to see when the team isn't as good around him. And I think I failed to see that a couple years back. And they're probably going to be harder to see this year. But all I can think of is Raptor fans, enjoy this while you can because who knows? Like Even if he makes it beyond this year, the man many will call the greatest Raptor of all time, the man the consensus would say, is the greatest Raptor of all time, may walk out the door after whatever this season is because his contract ends and he might want to put his very fine point talents on display again with a better team. And I think everyone should understand that. Is that, am I answering your question? Am I not answering your question? Be no, honest. I think you are. I think you're, no, well, I mean, on, honesty is answering the question. I think you are. I think it, I, I, well, I, what I hear you say is you were, you, you've come to really respect Kyle as of I, and we haven't agreed on everything, uh, mm-hmm. full disclosure, but I'm with you. I'm, I've, how do you not respect what this guy has done in a situation where he didn't know if he was going to stick around, you know, and in a situation when, when they couldn't beat LeBron and like Messiah to make some really, really hard decisions. Like Kyle had the option here. You, they, they traded to Mark Kyle. Kyle could have really not been part of the solution here. Yeah. If he wanted to go, he probably could have gone. And 
Uh, there was even moments during that Kawhi season where it was, and and I and I'm kind of with Kyle on on the whole. You know, you got to kind of buy into the preferential Kawhi treatment. I get that. That that can't be easy. But <laughs> yeah. and the, as we saw, the Clippers having a bit of a hard time with it last season. Yeah. But my point is this: I've I've grown to 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 look at Kyle a lot differently than I used to. No question about it. This is, um, I mean, they have they have Legends Row outside Scotiabank Arena for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. If, if there's a Raptors Row, and there should be, um, it's Kyle's the first guy on it. It's not Vince. It's not Tamar. It's uh, you know, it's not Damon Stoudemire. It's n- none of them. It's 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 not Bosch. It's Kyle. It's seven. So whatever he wants, I, I my feeling is my last point in this is whatever he wants because there's two windows here where Kyle can kind of call a shot, either the deadline because there's going to be interest. Guarantee there's mm-hmm. going to be interest, and this off season, whatever he wants to do, he's going to do, and he and my point is, he deserves that for the work he's put in, and wherever he ends up, assuming he doesn't sign again with the Raptors, which could happen, who knows? But assume, but if he goes somewhere else, uh, all the best to him because he's but, had a hell of a career, hell of a run. And, and my last point on this, and we're going to get to your tweets because they're now flooding in uh, at Tim and Sid on Kyle Lowry. My last point on this is that. The skill set that he brings is so valued on a good team. Oh, huge, man. Huge. And we saw that. We learned that. We understood that with the championship run. So if Kawhi says he wants a point guard, right? And if someone else, else anywhere else says they want a point guard and Kyle wants to, to, to as much as he said he enjoys watching the kids grow, if he wants to exploit the abilities that he brings to a team that I may have undervalued in the past, but now completely understand I'm good with it, homie. You have earned it. Uh, we'll, we'll take the break. When we come back, the Jays make another move. Your tweets on Kyle, Kenny, the jet Smith, Brian Burke, Kenny Reed. These are the Ken's we know. We'll do it all <laughs> next right here on Tim and Sid. It's pretty good. Sportsnet radio and TV. Ernie writes in and says, Kyle Lowry will always be in our hearts, regardless of if he stays or goes. He might not be the most talented Raptor ever, but he's the most loyal and respected Raptor ever and brought us our championship. This led to the question that went out on Twitter that will probably be uh, twisted and turned, but it says, does Kyle Lowry finish the season as a Raptor? I'm not sure it provides all of the context with which we had the conversation before asking that question, which was akin to what Ernie said. He's done everything, whatever he wants, he has earned. But Ian wrote in and said, Kyle deserves to win another ring. Lowry ending up in L.A. with LeBron wouldn't be the craziest thing ever. L.A. very, very topical, said Mark Lowry on his way to the Clippers at the deadline. Kawhi said they need a real point guard. Look, man, it's but again, like, like we said in the first block, and it's worth reiterating, this will be Kyle's choice. Like, I don't I don't think it's going to be a situation where Masai says, do you look, I really want to do this. Like, I just I, I think I, I think he'll have a big say in it. Maybe not where. But I think Kyle, if if gets to that point where where Kyle would want that, um, yeah, like it, it would be the respectful move from the organizational the organization standpoint. I think, right. and I'm never think, usually on that side of it, McAlph, ever, ever. But with Kyle, it's different. 
With Kyle, it's different. I think Snoop it's agrees. A, if, especially if it's a rough season. <laughs> rough. You can Shut hear the dog Snoop. barking? Yeah, good. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, in 4K. Merrick writes in and says, understand this, Tillery will not play his last game as a Raptor in an empty gin. That's a part uh, of this, I, is it not? I hope, yeah. Well, it could, it could be, Tim, unless the opportunity that maybe presents itself is one of those LeBron opportunities. Right. Like, how do you say no to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Nick, if, if Kawhi came him. calling, Tim, if Kawhi came calling, that would be fascinating to me. He knows the guy, right? Yeah. He's been in the wars. What would he do? What if it's LeBron? What do you do? Like, I just, it would be a hell of a decision to make if you're Kyle. And the interest would be there because he's that kind of point guard. No question about it. Again, I want to emphasize how much this is coming from a place of love, this entire conversation. (laughs) That's what I'm I'm worried because of the way the Twitter question is phrased. Like, it just says, should he, will Kyle Lowry finish the season as a Raptor? And it's like, well, we had this entire conversation about how he might want this and how he's earned this. By being the guy that you could... Li- Anyways, yeah. Aiden writes in and says, Lowry is my favorite player of all time, but we can't lose him for nothing. Like we lost Kawhi, Gasol, and Ibaka. Trade him for a boatload of first-round picks and build around Fred Van Vliet, Pascal, and OG. I don't know you're going to get that boatload of first-round picks. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not but you sure. But you will get the $31 million that he is owed. And that the might next year. Yeah. Right. That might play into him remaining a Raptor for the rest of the year. And I'll give the last word on this because our Twitter account is lighting up right now to truth and fitting that it is truth and only truth as the avatar. If you love someone, set them free, 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 set them free. Who sang that, and what was the title of the track? Because the hook, I'll never forget. No, but I couldn't no give idea. The title, and Neither. I couldn't give you the song. Like who, who performed it? Great question. Was that the, 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 para, the Parachute Club? Is that Parachute Club? Fa- rise up, rise. Like they did that one too. The Parachute Club. Someone out there is yelling. No, it's Sting. Sorry, it's Sting. It's Sting. Sting. Post police. Yes, post police. Oh. Sting. Great. I'm an idiot. Sorry, my bad. And apparently Sting doesn't set them free. Keeps them there for a while. But whatever. That's a story for another <laughs> <That's> day. <right. laughs> Very true, Timmy. Very true. Right. Uh, let's right. dive into baseball here. Uh, Steven Matz was set free by the New York. The two teams that have made the most noise this postseason decided, you know what? Let's join up and make more noise. The Mets and the Blue Jays last night made a deal. Steven Matz, left-hander, is now a Jay. Going the other way, Sean Reed, uh, three right-handed pitchers, Sean Reed Foley, minor leaguers Yenzi Diaz, and Josh Winkowski. Uh, do you like the deal, McAuliffe, in a, in a Jays news cycle filled with deals, it seems? I like the deal for the Jays if it's not the only deal and or signing for a starting pitcher. This okay. is another one of the high-reward, low-risk, one year left in the contract, just over $5 million. But I don't think this rounds out the Jays' rotation where you can go, hey, looks good to me. If this is part of one more, and I don't know if that's Tywin Walker, I don't know if that's Jake Odorizzi, Like I don't know what it is that I'm looking for in another spot, but I, I, I'm starting to get the feeling that the Jays are kind of sort of happy with where they're at 
and looking at this young roster of arms that they have, someone will break through. And I'm a little worried about that because there's a lot of guys in the mix. And I'm starting to get the feeling like Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are thinking one of those guys will break through. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried on banking on that, though I understand it, if that makes sense. I want one no, more. I, I hear I, I, I'm with you, Tim, but today I thought it was really significant, not only for Steven Matz. Steven, look, a lot of Jays fans just went right to the numbers and said, yeah, ERA of nine last year, yeah, great pickup guys. He had shoulder issues, his sinker wasn't working, but his K per nine was, a, was approaching 11, okay? His stuff is there. That's the first thing. Second, not only do they get Matz in this, Tim, Masahiro Tanaka, breaking news, is going back to Japan, okay? Yeah. He signed a two-year deal with the club he played for back there. The deal's a little over $8 million total. So the Yankees just kind of let him go. And for, if you're a Jays fan, get that guy out of the division. And I can't believe no one in baseball didn't pony up 9, 10 mil or an extra year to yeah. keep that guy. He's steady. He's not number one, but he's pretty steady, Masahiro Tanaka. So Tanaka is now completely out of the picture. If they grab this other guy, Tim, Taiwan Walker, why not? Why not? Mark Fultonavitz, Jake Oder, like, look, there are guys out there. If you can see, if Ed Rogers and, and our bosses want to have another go and make it really interesting, you're right. They're going to need one more arm, and why not? Why not two? Why not two? There, there, there are these these major acquisitions are not coming in the American League East outside of Toronto right now. Keep it going. Keep it flowing. I, uh, I agree with you. They need more. But great, I, I think it's a good pickup with Matts. I like it. I like it. Uh, we're going to get to Deshaun Watson. And his trade request out of Houston, there are some spots where he could land and make an immediate impact. We will discuss that. Ken Reed dropped by Brian Burke. Coming up next from the NBA on TNT, the one and only Kenny the Jet Smith will join us right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. Some significant news in Alberta about the AHL and the WHL. We'll do that with a man who used to call Southern Alberta home, Brian Burke, who will join us in the second hour along with Kenny Reed. But we're talking a little ball right now, Sidney. Kenny the Jet Smith inside the NBA on TNT. We always appreciate when he can jump on. Kenny, it's great to talk to you. Just to bring up to speed, we're talking for the last couple of segments here about uh, Kyle Lowry, who hit 10,000 points as a Raptor last night in the game against Milwaukee. And just looking back on his career and just – Kind of, kind of appreciating what he's done as a Raptor. And I, I, my first question to you is: even going back to the Villanova days, when you first kind of laid eyes on Kyle, what kind of an NBA career did you think he was going to have? Well, good to have, thank you for having me again, as usual. Um, I really didn't know, honestly. I, I, I saw him play. Um, he looked undersized. Looked a little heavy. Looked a little like he could shoot it okay. And I was, which is interesting enough, I went to, to Spain with the Memphis Grizzlies. And he was a rookie there. And uh, one of my good friends, well, a, a mentor of mine, his name was Eggman. We used to call him Eggman. He was a scout. He became the scout for the Memphis Grizzlies. And so I'm sitting there watching them practice. And this is when Paul Vassal was there. Um, you know, I had a really good team on the rise. And I'm talking to him about, he said, Kenny, there's a guy over there, Lowry, kid from Villanova. He is a pit bull. 
and he's going to be a star in this league. And I'm like, really? He's like, no, Kenny. You know, we, we've seen him love basketball. This guy, you know, and Eggman was the guy who, who mentored me. And so right then, my antennas went up. Because he didn't give compliments, especially to guards. He's from New York City. So giving a guard from Philly a compliment <laughs> was, was not something that he would do. But he was an older gentleman who passed away. And he was the first person that told me that Kyle Lowry would be a star in the NBA. And that was his first week or two in the NBA. Um, is there any way that you can tell us on national TV and radio how he got the nickname Eggman, or is that something we just <laughs> let go? No, Eggman, Eggman was – I don't even know how he got it, but it was affectionate. It wasn't like any right. crazy. Eggman was uh, – I don't even know Eggman's real name, I don't even think. Like, his real name, because I've called him Eggman his whole life. And, hey. um, and uh, known I, him, you know, I had known him for, you know, 30, 40 years, and, but he was the AAU guru, guru. When I right. was coming up, and then he went into the NBA. I guess the NBA recognized his talent. And then we were sitting there. I was covering the Grizzlies for uh, I was for the NBA and TNT. I was doing something there. I was like, oh, I go to Spain, and I had no idea Kyle was even on the team at that time. And he's like, no, you got to watch out for him. Uh, Buck O'Neill uh, once said, "A nickname means you belong." So I, I that's I'll take Eggman any day of the week. Um, when when you when you look at Kyle's game, um, I was saying earlier that I I didn't when he first got here appreciate all the little things he does because you kind of sort of need a really good team for those things to really shine through. As a pretty damn good point guard yourself, what do you appreciate in Kyle's game? Well, there's a lot of ways to dominate a game. We know scoring scoring assists and rebounding is obvious because those are the statues. Uh, but pace of game and leadership and defense are the things that aren't on the statute. Uh, and those are the things he dominates. He dominates those three areas, pace of the game, the Raptors play at the pace that they always want to play at. Uh, leadership, we that's pretty apparent by talking to the players around him. And, you know, and defense, where he never needs help. Like, think about that. You never have to go double-team the guy that he's guarding. That's a pretty amazing quality, you know, in the NBA. And especially in today's NBA day where you can't even hand-check. Where guys run around like they're in Ferraris on the basketball court, you know, <laughs> not being touched. So, you know, that is an amazing attribute to have that he possesses. Kenny, the Jet Smith of Inside the NBA on TNT here on Tim and Sid. We're talking about Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry last night uh, recorded career point 10,000 as a member of the Raptors, so he's top of mind here. That's kind of where we're going with this. Um, Kenny, I know there's a lot of basketball between now and March 25th, a lot. So no one's really sure where the Raptors are going to fall here. But if it's a situation where they they slip even more than they have, um, if you're Philly, if you're the Lakers, if you're the Clippers – if you're filling the blank on team that I'm not thinking about right now that you think is a fit, you got to call Bobby Webster, right? Like you got to at least feel out the Raptors on this, and 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 possibly more importantly, Kyle's interest as well. Do you not? Um, I would say of course, but then I also would that would 
also mean that the Raptors have given up on their chances. Correct. So, if you're willing to say that Zion, Jerry, and the Raptors are rebuilding into something in a different direction, and they don't think that they could be a contender, then yes, without question, you make those calls. And But you answer those calls, think about that, you answer those calls if you, you're saying, we're looking forward to 2022-23. Right. Kenny the Jet Smith here on Tim and Sid. And I think Raptor fans are just looking ahead and saying, how good is this team? And they, they kept that max spot open for Giannis Attentacumpo. And I don't know if he's coming. So uh, there are some significant free agents, but it's, it's really interesting. So I want to get your opinion on this, and we're running out of time. But I'm going to ask you um, about Bradley Beal. We had this quick conversation yesterday about him watching Russ and John Wall get into it while his team was falling to 3-10. and 10. They fall to 3-11. and 11. If Bradley hit you up on the old Motorola two-way and said, Uncle Kenny, I need your advice, what would you say to Bradley Beal? My, my first thing to Bradley Beal would be I would ask him, do you think you're good enough to attract players to come play with you? And if he says, no, I don't think that the guys are going to come to Washington. I'm like, well, you got to leave. And you got to let them know you don't want to be there. But my first question is, can you get guys to come play with you? Can you sell D.C. to them? Can you sell playing in a wizard uniform to them? And he's going to know the temperature of the league better. He's going to know the temperature of the of his super friend better, and he's going to know the temperature of himself if that's something he wants to do. Because it's really about him. Because I think he's starting to prove that he's the guy that you want to play with, even though he's losing. Right. Uh, I got a last one quick. Are the Sixers ready to contend, really? They're contending. They are contenders. And okay. this is before last night went over the Lakers. Yeah. This was a consistent sea of behavior by Joel Embiid. I think what we have not seen, we've seen greatness out of him, but we just haven't seen a consistency of even when he's failing, he's doing that, would make him, which would make him great. You know what I mean? Like, yep. If my son is not making the bed correctly, but he's attempting to make it every day, I'm going to like, he's going to have a clean boom soon. soon. Like, so <laughs> he is now doing, even in failure, the thing that would make him successful. That's the difference. Great. Makes now. sense. Yeah. Makes sense. It would make that Eastern Conference even more interesting. Um, Kenny, forgive us. Time was not our friend today, but uh, we're lucky you are ours. And uh, have a terrific weekend. I'll talk again next week, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, great. All right. Be well. Is he, is he really ours? Like, that was kind of presumptuous. I'm making a lot of presumptions right now, Mikhail. <laughs> Just let me, have my presum- yeah. let me have my presumption yeah. stage here, all right? Let's not I'm making a lot of presumptions. Most people know... Kenny the Jet Smith for his work on the NBA on TNT. However, you are correct in assuming that at times 
he is ours. He I, is our dude, our I, guy. Yeah. I thought so. And, and I will I, so. I will continue to say that when, when people say, hey, did you used to host a show nationally in Canada? Well, yeah. Kenny the Jet Smith started on a show. You ever heard of him? Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. Um, we got a lot still coming up here, Timmy. Uh, Brian Burke will be joining us here momentarily. Three North Division games tonight. And on top of that, we have some American Hockey League news and Western Hockey League news concerning the province of Alberta that some of you are going to want to hear. Also, on this, an important day in this country regarding mental health, uh, we talked to a very good friend of ours, Ken Reed from Sportsnet. He's got a story to tell. We'll let him tell it because we love him like that. Plenty straight ahead here on Truth. Tim and Sid. I'm Sid Sixero. He is Tim McCow. We are live on TV, radio, and streaming on Sportsnet Now. Thanks for joining us today. It's time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. I'm Sid East Tim. This is Tim and Sid. We are live on TV, radio, streaming on Sportsnet now. Don't call it a comeback. We have been here for years. Coming up here on Tim and Sid, friend of the show. I should stop throwing that around, actually. I did that earlier, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't have a lot of confidence as I did. But I think Berkey likes this, too. Brian Burke <laughs> will join us here on Tim and Sid. There is so much hockey going on right now, NHL mm-hmm. and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, one segment, it's a longer segment because we're going to like 626 this hour, and then Hockey Central takes over on Sportsnet, Ontario and the Mains. Uh, so we have a little bit extra time with Berkey, but, uh, man, there's a lot to get to. So we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll hurry up with the segue so we have more time and say Brian Burke's coming up. And Ken Reed of Sportsnet Central, uh, best-selling author. He's written 30 books in the last four years. 34. And 34, excuse me. Mm-hmm. He's turned the Tim and Sid studio into a hockey card central, and he will join <laughs> us after the yeah. bottom of the hour. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about an important day in this country, whether you're Bell or Rogers or doesn't. We're all kind of on the same team today regarding uh, mental health awareness and treatment and, and just talking about it. So we'll talk to Kenny because uh, there's, there's a side to Kenny I don't think some of you know. It's an important story to tell, so we'll let Kenny tell it coming up here after the bottom of the hour. But, Timmy, as mentioned, uh, it is a thick hockey schedule this evening. There's a lot going on. Oh, my goodness, is it ever. Time now for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. 13 games on the ice tonight. Habs among the North Division games. They host the Flames in their home opener. Montreal a minus 130 favorite. The Penguins are slight underdogs in Boston paying plus 107. Bruins beat them in overtime on Tuesday. Lightning laying minus 145 in Carolina against the Hurricanes. Canucks looking for the hat trick against the Sens. They are, can they go three in a row? Is that a value yes. play on the same? Okay, I'll never, never mind. And in Edmonton, leave slight favorites in the first two straight games against the Oilers. Uh, over and under, six and a half goals in that game between the Oilers and the Leafs in northern Alberta. Speaking of Alberta, Sid. Yes. From Jeff Merrick on Twitter, it sounds like the Alberta government will give the green light to the WHL Central Division minus Swift Current. To start play, uh, Merrick being the wordsmith that he is, to commence play, February 26th. Day seems familiar for some reason. It'll be a 24-game season without fans, but teams will be allowed to travel. He adds, 
in the thread. Uh, no hub or bubble necessary in Alberta due to enhanced testing procedures. The WHL is still waiting on word from the five other jurisdictions, B.C., Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Washington, and Oregon. And obviously the cross-border travel is going to be very tough, but there are some kids, and again, this is junior hockey, they have a limited run there, are going to be able to play hockey, it looks like, in Alberta. And some are going to get, uh, I mean, probably by video, but scouted a little bit, right? Like that's one yeah. of the other issues that a lot of junior hockey players across this country are kind of thinking about right now, especially those who think they got a shot uh, at the at the big leagues, quote unquote, is how do you get eyes on you when you're not, you know, other than the World Juniors in Edmonton? And right. uh, whoever, I'll, listen, the process. I'm I'm no Sam Cosentino. I couldn't. I I don't know the prospects in the WHL Central Division up and down, but I can tell you they're going to have a bit of a head start here. And it's going to and, be important. That's important news for them, I'll tell you. That, that's interesting. And just, like, humanitarian humanitarian um, reasons, right? Like, the, these are kids who are going to play their last year of junior hockey. It's not yeah. just the NHL. It's leagues in Europe getting a look at guys. Sure. It's, it's It's players who have given their heart and their soul to hockey, and this could be the last time that they play at a really competitive level. Now, some of them may go on to play youth sports, but just – I mean, I felt for a lot of kids this for year sure. not being able to play. Sure. We all know health is first and foremost, but when you give your life to something and you're 20 and you're looking at your th- career and going, this could be my last year and I might not get to play, I just felt for them. Uh, also, the Flames announced in Alberta that the Stockton Heat will play, their AHL affiliate, will play in Calgary this season because of the cross-border restrictions. Uh, you and I talked to their general manager, Brad Treliving, earlier in the year and asked him if this might be a possibility, and he didn't really have an answer. Uh, he now has an answer. The Heat will play at the Saddle Dome in an AHL Canadian division that will include Laval, uh, Belleville, Toronto, and Manitoba with the schedule still to be determined and an unknown amount of games. Um, well, one more hockey note, Tim, while we're waiting on Berkey here, since, since we're going down the line, yeah. um, we mentioned earlier in the show, worth repeating, no blues and, uh, golden Knights tonight yes. due to, uh, COVID safety reasons. So that game has been postponed. So it just makes it like a 13 game schedule, not a 14 game schedule. Uh, also worth noting is the bubble in, uh, in Lake Placid, Timmy for the NWHL. Yeah. And that's been getting a lot of play here. I've been seeing highlights a lot at night in this country, and it's a good thing. Uh, there, is, there was a bit of bad news today, however. Uh, the Metropolitan Riveters pulled out of the bubble today due to an outbreak. So um, obviously not what you want to hear. Hopefully everyone's okay. That's the most important thing. But um, a bit of news there as well as, as leagues try and – Kind of the theme, the thread of what you just kind of went down the line on there is navigating and managing and trying your best to figure it out in a crappy situation. So um, that's all of that is really, really interesting to me. The Stockton thing, Timmy, though, I mean, if you're if you're the Oilers and if you're the Canucks and you're looking at this now, and five Canadian teams are going to have their farm systems on Canadian soil. In theory, if Stockton are allowed back into Canada, along with the with the Manitoba Moose and the Toronto Marlies and the Belleville Sens and the, and the Laval Rocket of, of Labiton, that's a that's a huge advantage for these. Like you have to start to think yes. of another way here. And I'm not 
calling out Ken Holland and I'm not calling out Jim Benning. Like it's it's a hell of a job to begin with. But it seems like five Canadian teams and some of them like they didn't have most of them didn't have anything to worry about because their teams were in the cities anyway. Right. But Calgary here has been really proactive and I think intelligently. And if you're Edmonton and Vancouver, you got to kind of start to ask yourself, you know, oh, I, if I think what, what's going to happen here? Yeah, I, I think they're trying to figure it out. They got, Tim, they have to. Yeah. Tim, no question about it. They have to. You can't. You you can't have like like seventy percent of the rest of the division having an entire team. And I know they're all rusty, and they'll get go, they'll they'll play soon. But you got to have them in that mix. Play, you know, come come playoffs, come playoff drive, all that stuff. So that's the one thing I think of where that's a, from Brad's for living in the flame. That's it's smart and necessary. So uh, uh, good on him. Good on him. Maybe maybe our next guest uh, will have a little more information on this. Brian Burke joining us from the NHL on Sportsnet, and uh, we'll stop clowning around and have the conversation. Berkey, how are you, first and foremost? <laughs> well, whenever Brad Trilliving does something intelligent, I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Before we dive into the Flames thing, before we dive into the Flames thing, Berkey, I did notice, listen, I like Kevin Bieksa, all right? I do. He's trying to, to, to move in on the promo over the weekend, the it's on. Like, I didn't like that. Like, I saw pictures. I didn't see the video, but I saw, I think it was Stewie or Free. I forget who tweeted it. You know, he's coming in late. You guys cut the promo. It's award-winning. It's, it's, you're breaking new ground with it. I didn't like how Kevin BX at the end just says, okay, now I'll be part of this really great promo where Berkey's the star and blah, blah, blah. Your thoughts. I didn't like it. Well, I drafted Kevin BX, and I know that he is a real pain in the rear. There's no question about it. <laughs> but in this case, they, they had us all come in and tape that promo, which which I, I can't believe the number of people who are saying stuff to me on the street about, quit cloning around. <laughs> and so people have obviously, I don't know how they've seen it, because we haven't played it hardly at all. Yeah, um, no, not but at all. It's been really low-key, really low-key. Really low <laughs> they asked Kevin later to do it, so he, I have to defend him here. He didn't say, hey, I want to, I want to be in the promo. Uh, this, the network said to him, we'd like you to be in the promo, and they taped it late. Now, I watched him tape a, cu- a couple of hits, and he was brutal, so I'm, I'm not, I won't be surprised <laughs> if they don't put him in. Right. But his hair looked good. So. Yeah, it did. It did look good. Uh, all right, back to, uh, back to Tree. I don't think I'm allowed. I don't know if I'm allowed to call him tree, so I won't. Back to Brad in Calgary and what the Flames have just done <laughs> or here, Brad. Uh, Berkey, or Brad. Back to Mister True Living, uh, Berkey. This to me, this is. I mean, it's a difficult move. It seems logistically, but it's it's the right one, right? And and would you assume Edmonton and Vancouver are now starting to think to themselves, we might have to do the same thing? Yes, I I expect that all the Canadian teams will have their American League team play out of their building, uh, or or a suitable building, you know, in that city. Um, the 14-day quarantine. Uh, there's there's a million reasons to do it. It's not sustainable. Like you know, we had our team in Abbotsford, BC. When when I worked for the Flames, we were in Ab- before I worked for the Flames. They were in Abbotsford, BC, and it just wasn't a draw. There's, the NHL was too close by. You know, the Vancouver Canucks were too close by. So the only the only time they drew was when the Canucks farm team from Utica played, and then they jammed the building. So it doesn't make sense, I think, long-term sustainable, but especially we've got the hitmen there, so that, that would drain. If you're a hockey fan and you want a lower-priced alternative to the NHL, the AHL is great hockey. Like, I know you guys have been to Marley's games. Those kids, they work so hard, 
and they're so good, and the coaching is so good. And the only difference is for nine nine guys out of ten, they can't make it to the NHL. It's because of skating. They've got NHL bodies, NHL shot, NHL IQ, but skating is what keeps most of them out. That's what kept kept me from being any good as a player was my skating. I thought the game pretty well. I didn't have great hands. I'm not saying it would have been an NHLer, but I was just an average AHLer, but it's the skating. So you're a college player, you're a good player, you're a star in the CHL, you get to pro, and it's a skating. That, that I remember my first game, I thought I was, it was like being stuck in the ditch watching people skate by me. And I'm like, good Lord. So uh, AHL is really exciting hockey. It's great, but it's hard to sell tickets to an AHL team in an NHL marketplace. So especially it would cripple the hitmen. So I don't think it's a permanent move. And I know the Flames have enjoyed their time in Stockton, but it's. We may have lost Berkey with the digital hit. Oh, you're there. That is. We got you. But that was such that was such a radio digital pandemic hit. Like I'm so used to that noise. Gee. Like it, immediately, Tim and I knew exactly what was going on. Berkey, you there? Sorry. Yeah. So I think Ber- it's a really good solution. Awesome. Um, I've been waiting to have you on this show for a while. I always wait to have you on this show. I love having you on this show. But when I was watching Kachuk do the accidentally on purpose in my mind on Jack Campbell <laughs> and then the response from Jake Muzzin who was around for the dowdy part of the Kachuk Muzzin back and forth um, I thought I can't wait to hear your opinion on this what, what, what did you take away from the Leafs and the Flames and more specifically how Matthew Kachuk got under their skin and then was the one pissed off when it all ended well, I, I don't – to me, it was like, I can't believe – this is how tame our game has gotten, that this is a <laughs> news story for two, three, four days. And it will be a news story again before they play again. This is nothing. You want to see someone get mad? I've been in four bench-clearing brawls when I played in Maine, where we charged off the bench and fought guys that came off their bench that had we had no grievance against whatsoever. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember – we tried to go into the crowd. We were playing in New Haven when I was playing for the Maine Mariners. And we tried to uh, – uh, a fan called, uh, poured a beer on our coach. So we tried to go over the glass, but the glass was too high. So you got like eight guys trying desperately to climb up this tempered glass. It wasn't plexiglass. And some police officer, God bless him, he was smarter than everyone else, he took his nightstick and just tapped our fingers, so we had to drop back down off the glass. <laughs> he went right down in a row, tapping fingers and making guys get back down. But that's how you respond to a, an incident, not flipping a puck. So to me, I love that Jake Musson said, hey, kid, screw you, and flipped the puck at him. He didn't shoot it at him. He didn't try to hit him in the face. He flipped it at him and said, you're a jerk, screw you. I love the fact that, that Matthew Kachuk said, no one flips a puck at me and snapped. I mean, this is great, some emotion. Stop the presses. I, I was joking with Jeff Merrick. I said, no arrests have been made yet in the Muzzingate case. <laughs> Brian Burke here on Tim and said, Burke, forgive me. I don't mean to divert here, but you went down the road of old stories. And for those listening and watching who haven't seen them, the animated Brian Burke, Jeff Merrick uh, story feature that we occasionally run on Sportsnet and, and is available on .ca is phenomenal. And I would encourage anyone to check it out. Burke, I thought you were going to tell the story of how you were in the broadcast booth the one night, and then, then another brawl broke out, and you on air said, okay, I got to go, and joined in. 
What, what, I, thought, I thought that was the story you're going to tell. What am I missing no, from that so, story? For you? <laughs> this is a true story. I was in the broadcast booth. So I was in law school. I played for the Maine Mariners in 77-78. Then I went back to Harvard. So I'm in law school. I go to Springfield to watch a game. And I'm in the old building in Springfield, the Big E, which is where I first turned pro. And I'm being interviewed by Mike Emmerich. He was our radio guy. Mike Emmerich, who just retired from NBC like a star. And I'm doing the interview, and the player got in a fight and was escorted to the dressing room. And as he got near the dressing room door, a couple of fans tried to attack him. And I said to Doc, got to go. So I jumped out of the press box and (laughs) jumped over the the front wall of the press box and ran down there. By the time I got there, the trainers had restored order. But I thought, this is great. I'm going to get to get in a fight. I I was doing a radio show with Dan Russell in Vancouver. And I was driving home. It was like the show used to be on from 10 to 11 or 11 to midnight. And I was going by a bar near my house, and I saw two guys, well, three guys fighting. One guy was holding a guy, and another guy was beating the snot out of him. So I said, hang on, i got to break up this fight. So I went and I grabbed the guy who was holding the guy. I said, you're so tough, now fight him. And the guy wanted nothing to do with it. So I have a penchant for getting dragged into things like that. Sorry, while you were doing the interview live in your car, you broke up a fight? Did I hear yeah, that right? Yeah, I, I stopped the car, put it in park. There was no, you know, like I put the cell phone down and broke up the fight. It's true. It all happened on air. You can't make this stuff up. There's got to be audio. Did you go back like, on air after you broke up the fight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That reminds me of me and Sixero at Friends one day after the score, but we won't. Oh, get I'll it. tell the story. No, McAuliffe, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah, we're going to. T- so it's late. It's late. So McAuliffe and I were Same working until like three, four o'clock in the morning, and we go to Friends in downtown Toronto, and something's happening in the booth behind us. Just there's two booths chirping at each other. And one guy gets up and starts making his way, and McAuliffe, he walks by McAuliffe. McAuliffe gently sticks out his right hand, puts it in the guy's chest, looks up, and says very quietly, don't do this. And I'm looking at McAuliffe. There's a few of us there. And the guy turned around, went back to the booth. Nothing happened. McAuliffe was the brawl whisperer. He ended it immediately. (laughs) And it was one of the cooler things I've seen. I, the first time I met Ron McLean, and Ron can testify to this, I, w- I was at training camp with the Calgary Flames. I was a lawyer. I represented uh, Joel Otto and Neil Sheehy that played there. And I walked into, I think it was Cosmos. Ron will remember. Ron remembers everything. <laughs> but I walked into this bar. I had a buddy of mine from Minnesota that was with me, Rob Johnson. And we go in the bar. I haven't even had a beer yet. I just walked in. And a guy grabs one of the bouncers, and his buddy starts beating on him. So I grabbed the guy who's beating on him and said, not so fast. And I got punched right in the nose, right in the face. And I went to hit this guy, and now all the other bouncers come in, and I get tackled. So I'm like, I was so mad. I was like, just let the guy go. Let me hit him a few times. Like, I haven't even had a beer yet, and I got punched in the face. Well, I'm never coming here again. So I said, just turn him loose for 30 seconds. Let Let me waste him a couple times. But just to so verify, again, Burke, it wasn't the punch. It was the ability not to retaliate to said punch that really set you off, correct? <laughs> yeah, I don't mind getting hit. I don't yeah. I don't mind getting hit in a fight. That's that's part of the fight. I mean, if you're going to get in a fight, you better be ready to get hit. But to one, get tied one, up that quickly is annoying as hell. To get tied up yeah. that quick. It was just unfair. 
This guy's One walking more. around somewhere in Moncton to this day telling people, <laughs> I punched Brian Burke in the face and he didn't do a thing. That bothers me. <laughs> that, that would piss you off. Um, and one more I want to add on uh, with Brian Burke here is I love the fact, and I shouldn't have let it go, but I love the fact that you said, like, the most unsung heroes in all of hockey, the trainers broke up the fight, that you were jumping out of Mike Emmerich's booth to join. Are the trainers the most unsung heroes in all of hockey, Berkey? Yeah, they're the best, and, and, yeah. and for very different reasons. The medical guys, you're dependent on them to stay healthy. And they, they are, they're almost as good as a doctor. The doctors are key, too, but the trainer knows, in terms of sports injuries, the trainers, the medical trainers, medical therapists, they call them now, mm. those guys are awesome. And they're unbelievable. You say, i got to come in at 6 o'clock in the morning for a treatment. They're there at 5 o'clock getting everything ready. The equipment guys are the unsung heroes because of the work they do. So we fly, we, say we're playing in Calgary, and we fly to Montreal after the game. So we get in at 3 in the morning. So the players get on a bus, go back, get it, go to the hotel and go to sleep. The trainers go to the rink, put the laundry in the, in the washing machine, hang up the equipment to dry, and then go back to the hotel. Like, they work like dogs, and they're great oh, yeah. guys. So those two, um, trainers, those two trainers were Sudsy Settlemeyer and Jim Evers, Turk Evers, were the two trainers in, in, uh, in Portland. Berkey, we're 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 like we got six minutes left, but we're getting tweets already. Mister Extreme tweets in. He says, "Can we get a show called Story Time with Brian Burke?" So that just came in. <laughs> buy and the secondly, book, pal. But but the book is out, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and we got uh, and a friend of the show, Dallas Green, just texted us and said the Brian Burke fight stories has to become a reoccurring segment on Tim and Sid. <laughs> So in the month we have left, let's make that a reoccurring segment here on Tim and Sid Berkey. I got no problem with that. No problem with that. Berkey, before we let you go, in, in, bringing it to today, I enjoyed all those stories for the record. But bringing it today, what, and I don't mean to pry too much if you're not comfortable, what have you learned about the Jim Rutherford story in Pittsburgh? Not much. I haven't talked to Jimmy. I texted him right away. He's such a great guy. Um, like, he was so easy to deal with as a GM because you'd get to names right away. In other words, a lot of GMs you call and they, they're just fishing, right? Well, I don't know what I need. And Jimmy will call you and say, I need a left winger. Here's the guys on your team I like, and here's the guys on my team I would move. So you're in a trade discussion right away. You're, you're in a, there's a capability and a possibility of making a deal right away. And some of these other GMs, especially the younger guys, man, it was like, like their first dance at a high school dance, right? Like they're <laughs> shuffling their feet. Should I ask her? Should I not ask her? Should I wait for a slow song? And, and and Jimmy's like right away. And and I love dealing with him. He's a great guy. So I haven't I have not discovered a lot more about it. My guess is you're talking about a philosophical debate on whether the Pittsburgh Penguins remain in their window or not. Now there's a real dichotomy across the media. There are a lot of people, including me, that do not feel they are still in their window. They've got two of the best players in the league in, in Sid and Malkin, but I don't think they have the supporting cast to be a contender, especially considering the teams around them. And you got to remember, this is like swimming. Like when you're in a, in a race, so let's say we're doing the 100 freestyle, the 100-meter freestyle, and I'm doing a personal best, and I'm, I'm going to beat my time by a second, which is massive in swimming. But if the guy to the righty is ahead of you and the guy to the lefty is ahead of you, you're not going to win that race. And that's the problem is you focus on your own team and say, we got better, I changed this, I brought in Matheson, the team's better. But are they better than the Washington Capitals or whatever, whoever's in their division? And I don't think they are. And I, my guess is that's where an owner says, 
we want you to strip it down. Or the GM says, I think it's time to strip it down, and the owner says no. And it's time to, it's time to part ways. And he'll be out of work about as long as he wants to be out of work. This guy's good at this. And a coveted job as well. Uh, someone suggested yeah. brawling with Berkey as the name of the segment. But, hey, Berkey is already on Sportsnet.ca <laughs> with our friend Jeff Merrick. So Which we'll, is we great. Add... I, I can't recommend it enough. It's a great segment. Please. Well, you gotta Berkey watch. works enough. We don't need to add any more work to his plate. The guy <laughs> well, works I'll tell enough. you, I, I, fought, I, fought, I didn't fight a lot as a pro. I only fought like six or seven times. We had such a tough team, you had to get in line to get in fights. So, but I remember I fought one night in Rochester. We fought Billy Bennett, who would beat me nine times out of ten, maybe 99 times out of 100. Six, six, big, ugly guy. Not real ugly, but you know what I mean. Ugly is how I say mean guys. <laughs> right. And I fought him. Which is a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a compliment. Yeah. But there's one penalty box in Rochester. There's one penalty box. You fight a guy, and you have to sit next to him in the penalty box. I'm not making this up. That's and when I played in Hershey in the American League, the doors opened out onto the bench. The bench doors open out over the ice. So right. guys would actually wait till people were coming along the boards and open the door and hit him with it. Like it was <laughs> Can you imagine fighting a guy and I was and and Billy Bennett was a big scary guy, good guy too, really good guy. And I thought if he jumps me in the box, I'm dead. He was six six, two thirty. If yeah. he jumps me in the box, I'm dead. So I said to Billy, Are we done? He said I was a good fight, sit down. There's a security guard between us who had to be 85 years old and, may, and maybe five foot six. I'm like, if this guy ever decided to tee off on me, I'm a dead man. Yeah. Uh, the, the story he just told, uh, he also to tells in the Hey Berkey segments. You got to see it animated. It, they, uh, Sportsnet producers and Merrick do such a great job with it. Berkey, we got to go. This is always a delight, sir. And let's, uh, let's talk again next week. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. There is uh, Brian Burke, Sportsnet Hockey Insider. Uh, great story. I remember when uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, they had to change it because Jimmy Corn fought Stan Weir, I think it was, right. in the penalty box. Do you remember that? It was just I like, do. wait a second. Why can you get at the other guy in the penalty box in a National Hockey League arena? Tim, I think, I, think, uh, I think young people who follow our, us on social media need to see video of this within the next 24 hours. They need to see two guys in a penalty box the way it used to be. I don't care I don't care what league it is. I don't care if it's NHL, AHL, I don't care what it is. I'll get Some it. of the stuff that went on. Yeah. You will not believe, man. You will not they 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 they, they, they couldn't put in a video game. Like it would be too unbelievable. Like we should just, make it a digital we, we, segment. Honestly. Hey hockey fans, this happened or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. But honestly, like Mike Milbury or with the shoe and the happen. stands or this yeah. used to happen a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um like the late Pat Quinn getting punched by fans in Boston over the glass after hitting Bobby Orr, like stuff like that. Anyway, uh, coming up here on Sportsnet Ontario and the rest of the regionals, we've got Hockey Central. On the other side, we're on 360 still on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ken Reed, on a very important day here in Canada for a lot of reasons, joins us next. This is Tim and Sid. Spent the entire commercial break watching Jim Corn fight Stan Weir in the penalty box. Tim, I got another one from a mutual friend, uh, Coach Jeff. He's like, Bobby Pulford, Terry Harper in the penalty box at MLG. Got to find that one. <laughs> Let's put that one on the list, too. Right. Got to have that one on the list. Any any other crazy fights in penalty Old box? time hockey. At, at Tim and Sid. Help us out. Eddie, I, I guarantee you our next guest has a couple. I guarantee <laughs> oh, you if our next... 
if our next guest was listening to the segment with Bert, we just gave him his next book idea. We just gave him his next book <laughs> idea. Penalty Bach Fights, Volume 1 with Ken Reed of Sportsnet. Kenny, how you doing, brother? It's I'm been a great. while. I'm how are awesome. things, man? I'm awesome, boys. Just a couple thoughts uh, on Brian Burke. I absolutely love that. Um, one, Brian Burke has to come to the Picto Lobster Carnival with me because of course. he likes his dust stops. And, uh, you know, we, we, we like our fists fighting down east. We're honorable. We square off. We, we have a go, and it's all good. And two, once again, we've proved that hockey is about the stories, man. That was, that was awesome. It was great to listen to. And uh, I can't wait to hear a, a call in the future of a guy talking about uh, the analytics on his spreadsheet one night in 2021 in a press box. That's sarcasm. <laughs> Thank you, Brian Burke, for spreading Although, the stories. Hold on. I think if we did the math, though, there'd be a wins above replacement on penalty box fight wins. <laughs> Maybe. I think if we really broke it down, Maybe. we could get there. But, but it, I, I just think it's, it's just fantastic. Like, uh, what did he, he joke and called it Kachukgate? People freaking out. I'm like, do, do people, have people not watched a hockey game prior to, I don't know, 2005? Emotion is a great thing. Emotion is what separates. I don't know, sports from games, right? It doesn't matter if you win or lose, son. Well, it does when, when you're playing in the pros, and emotion is a beautiful thing. Man, it's I, I awesome. Honestly, I honestly think the, the reason it was a story is because people still kind of long for what that used to be. You're dang right they do. Yeah, yeah. that's why it was I mean, a story. Like, I, I know the old schoolers are like, that, son, that's that ain't nothing. a fight. Exactly. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Exactly. And then, <laughs> that's, and then you uh, go to the... The uh, the Montreal Quebec uh, Battle of Quebec. Correct. Show someone the video. And Correct. Go, uh, My favorite thing about the the, the Saint, I think it was Saint Patrick's Day Massacre, whatever it was, the Easter Val- one, whatever. Valentine's, it yeah, was Valentine's, whatever, day, it? whatever day it was, was at the start of the third. The ref let both teams skate around and warm up again. Sorry, it was Good Friday. <laughs> good Friday. <laughs> Thank good you. I, I knew it was a whole. By the day. way, and and Kenny, I because we were running, we've been running it's old hockey games for day. a year. <laughs> I in all like in all seriousness, Kenny. I was disturbed watching that. Oh, one. disturbed! Listen, the, I, Nord, the Nordique oh, brawl. Are you serious? Come on, that the, one was the, bad. The punch dude. on John ML was awful. It, it ended his career. But uh, I'll give you a little one on it that. Just ended his yeah. Just ended uh, his point for me. Just ended his career. You, you the rest were, of it was fine. You were disturbed. You should have found a safe space to watch the fight in, Sid. They but, went back to the room, came out to warm up, fought again. It happens. They, it, it continued. It, happens. it was unbelievable. It Look, it the, happened. It happened. Look, the best part about that for me was I'm watching it on the NHL Network back in 2005. And I'm living in Ottawa, and I have Shinny the next day, our media skate, and the guy who always skated with us, John Shabbat, was in that brawl. So, uh, you know, we played our little Shinny game, and then we sat in the room for a couple hours, had a few soda pops, and John held court for two hours because all I wanted to know about was that brawl. So he told us all about it. The punch on ML, it was horrific. It was that bad. That was unbelievably bad. It was, it was bad. unbelievably uh, bad. Hunter, it was, it was versus, Hunter versus Hunter in that. I mean, that was, that was yeah, and, and, hey, man, it was pure emotion. I'm not saying I, I need that every night. I, I don't need it every night, but man, I, you know that's that's the way she was. But but people being alarmed by some guy flipping a puck at somebody. Come on, <laughs> I've I've slew footed a 57 year old goaltender in men's league. <laughs> Timmy, you were there. I saw it. I saw it. How did how did Rob Fultz take it? <laughs> I, I, Rob, he wasn't impressed. I felt horrible. Fultz I emailed like the, I, I emailed the guy afterwards, but he kept pushing the net off, didn't he, Timmy? 
I, I don't remember the circumstances of it, yeah, but I, I do bad. remember I do remember saying I'm not playing in this league next year. <laughs> yeah. No, you you said that after the guy attacked you from behind and snapped your neck into the boards, wasn't it that one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jumped on top. And then I said I go I turned to him and I said, uh, this is like this is like D League men's hockey. What are yeah. you doing? And he goes to me, It's the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. It's yeah. win- winning time, yeah. Caleb. Yeah. It's winning time. Sid, you were uh, there. You were a stick boy, remember? Oh, the stick boy. All right. Well, great segue into somewhat serious stuff. Uh, Kenny rejoining us here on Tim and Sid. Now, as you can tell, we love us some Ken Reed. This okay. Ken Reed is and one I love of the more- us some you guys. One of the more jo- joyful human beings I've come across. When you feel his passion about a lot of things, and and that's what makes Ken Reed Ken Reed, and we love him. But today is uh, Bell Let's Talk Day, and it's been it's been a tough go for a lot of us. And and just to have the conversation going, whether it's social media or in this platform with me, Tim, and, and Kenny, is extremely right. important. And culturally, this day has turned into something that I don't think people expected in this country, and it's a great thing that's happened because it's affecting everyone in so many different ways. Kenny, I normally I would tee up your story yeah, and then get into it in a certain spot. It's not my story, though. So for those, for those who didn't read uh, the Toronto Star piece written by Peter Mendelson back on December the 12th of last year about Kenny um, that was revealing, Ken, I just, if, if, you don't, if you don't mind, I will just allow you to have the floor here and talk about uh, a, a moment oh, in your life. Important. Yeah. And why it's important, why it's a part of you, and, 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 and how it kind of changed you and what message you have for other people. Because I think we all see one side of Kenny Reed. Yeah. And it's, and it's that really, really happy, I love sports, let's do this side. Yeah. But life's, life's not that simple, is it? No, it's not. But, um, yeah, it surprised a lot of people because I'm a happy guy. I'm, I'm happy right now. I love talking to you guys, man. Coming on your show, I'm having a blast right now. Um, I, I, for a, while, a long time, though, I wasn't a happy guy. I... I when I became a teenager, I don't know what happened, man, but I just went into this dark place. I just kind of felt that I didn't belong. I was one of those kids who was a pretty, you know, I was a sporty little kid, and then I grew about six inches. It seemed like in six weeks I had zits all over my face. You guys have seen the picture. It's an awesome picture looking back on it. <laughs> At that time, it was rather painful. And I I was kind of an outgoing kid, but I just went into this shell, and I, I stayed in it till high school ended, and I came out of my shell um, thanks honestly to depart like to, to having beer you know that was my self-medication I'd, I'd go out and party and you know uh, i was feeling good but then when that's over your shell your anxiety your depression is even worse because you're masking it so for a good i don't know from i'd say from i was like i don't know 13 14 till i was 32 33 years old i was just in this horrible place i have good days but for the most part i wore a mask and i would just kind of go around and pretend i was happy happy-go-lucky, but I like to be by myself, and I, I wasn't confident at all, which is really strange in, a, in an industry where you have to have yeah. confidence or should have confidence. So I would fake it, and I'd put on an act. I, there were times when I'd feel good, but there was a lot of times when I wouldn't feel good. And um, I was a worry wart, and I, I thought, I'm just a worry wart. But then I realized, no, I've got really bad anxiety that can, you know, lead to depression and that the two go hand in hand and you're going out five, six nights a week and you're having a great time, but as soon as that wears off, you're not having a great time anymore. And it came to a head, I, like I said in the story, around, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years ago and my wife 
Mrs. Reed, as you as you call her, Sid, as I call your wife, Mrs. Extero. <laughs> she said, that's enough. And, and I had told her about it. I'd talked about it. And, uh, you know, my brother and I had talked to each other um, through a lot of stuff over the years because my brother shares basically the same mental makeup as I do. And I'd seek treatment when I was around 26, and I went to two sessions, and I thought, okay, I know what's wrong with me. I'm cured. But uh, my wife kind of said that's enough. And and I think what people don't realize, what men don't realize, is the pressure that you put on your wife or girlfriend, partner, when you're throwing this all at them. But at least you're telling someone. So like Michael Landsberg started, you know, the bell, let's talk. And he's right. You have to tell someone. And hopefully they can push you in that right direction. So Mrs. Reed said, that's enough. I can listen to you, but I can't help you. I'll listen 24-7, but you need help. So I literally uh, yellow pages to the first uh, psychologist in my area. I went, booked an appointment, went in and kind of said, okay, fix me. And my doctor, she said, that's not how it happens. And uh, I went up then, you know, I I went every week and uh, I started feeling better. Eventually, I got on medication. Uh, it's a light dose from what I know, but uh, I wake up now and I'm a happy guy. And uh, I don't suffer from too many worries anymore. I mean, we all have our bad days, but I think what it is, is what used to make me worry like a madman. Now I know how to deal with it in a rational matter. Uh, last night, right. for two nights ago, for example... Uh, at work, I read the wrong highlight pack. I started reading the wrong highlight pack for about the first seven, eight seconds. Then I said, oh, okay, that's the wrong pack. And obviously, uh, uh, this guy didn't score for that team because he doesn't play for that team. So I just corrected it. On we went. Now, if you go back in my life, I don't know, uh, eight years ago before that, I would have been a wreck. Like that, that something that insignificant would have taken me down and ruined my day, my week, maybe my month. And I'd have been in a rut. Uh, bottom line is I got two young boys. I can't afford to be in that rut. So I've learned to deal with the small things that used to take me down these dark places. Now, I've also learned to deal with the bigger things and rationalize them. But I've only learned to deal with those things because I, I talked to someone. I told them about it. And uh, then I went to a professional and told them about it. And uh, they, they dealt me, you know, they gave me the, the, the tools that I need to get through it. Uh, my general practitioner, my family doctor, I talked to him about it. And I said, look, I've been going to my psychologist for three or four years now. I think I could maybe, you know, use some uh, medication. And I, I grew up thinking medication was a weakness, right? Like a lot of us do. Ah, you don't need that. And, uh, and I always thought taking pills for my medication was a weak, or medication for my uh, brain was a weakness. Oh, it wasn't. That was the strongest thing I ever did. That and going right. to talk to a doctor. So... I'm good now. I still have my days, of course, but little things that used to take me down don't take me down anymore, and I know how to deal with things. I'm far from perfect, but what I think I am now is normal. And for 15, 20 years, I would sit in my room and just like almost in tears going, I just want to be normal. I just want to be normal. I want to know what it's like to have a, a normal problem or have a problem seem normal. And that's, I'm happy to say where I am now, and I can say that because I just opened up and talked to somebody. And for right. years and years, I tried to do it on my own. And it didn't work. And when you open up, you'll be amazed by how many other people are out there going through the same thing. And I don't want anybody to treat me any differently because they hear this. I love that I come on and you guys chirp me and I chirp you. 
And it's funny, when I did the story in the Star, one of my old buddies, he took a couple of weeks to talk, call me. And when we talk to each other, our relationship is just built on chirping each other and cutting each other up. And uh, it, 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 we love it, right? He's a Cape Bretoner. I'm from Pictou County. Uh, we make fun of each other all the time. And he's like, I kind of don't know how to... I go, give it to me. Come on, let's go, bud. <laughs> and so it's the same. But I, right. I'm by no means... Uh, uh, cured or I don't know if there is a cure or whatever, but I'm normal now and I cherish being normal and I want everybody out there to know that if they are struggling to to open up, talk to somebody, uh, let them know because nobody will know you have a problem until you tell someone. Um, I'm usually a pretty smiley, happy guy for a lot of years. Uh, it was a mask. Um, now, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll just have a bad day. I don't go around doing backflips trying to make people feel good about me. Uh, but uh, when I'm happy, I'm happy. And I'm happy a lot of the time, which is great. But I'm normal. Uh, so, so please, if you're, if you're struggling, please tell somebody and, and get pointed in the right direction because there is help out there. And it's not just getting to normal and it's not just uh, anxiety over a big decision or anxiety over everything in mm-hmm. your life. Um, it's struggling with bipolar disorder yeah. or paranoid schizophrenia or a chemical imbalance. Like yeah. reaching out is the first step no matter what it is. And there is help for you out there. And I think that's what this day has become about, right? Like I know that people want it to be perfect and they want it to be every day of the year. And I want it to be every day of the year. But this day is about understanding that there are people out there who understand your struggle and can help you with it no matter what it is, right? Yeah. I think think so too. Yeah. There's help for all kinds of people. and, And I mean, lots of people fall under different umbrellas and, yeah. For me, I, it's also learning, I learned that I have to treat myself better. You know, um, if I had a racehorse, I'd feed him the best food and give him the best, you know. Why wouldn't I do that for myself? So, um, you know, put down your phone, you know, <laughs> go for a yeah. walk, spend time with your family, do something that genuinely makes you happy. And if it doesn't make you happy, it's probably not worth doing. And, uh, I mean, when, you know, I try to stay up when the holidays roll around. I take my apps or whatever they are off my phone, social media. And it's ironic that we're, we're, we're doing this through social media because we're, sh- I mean, Bell Let's Talk is showing that social media can be used for good. good. It, was a, it, was, it was brought about to be used for good. Um, like a lot of things were brought about in human history to be used for good that didn't necessarily always were used for good. But we can be kind to each other and we can listen to each other. And people will listen. And it's the stigma has got to end. And, and when people listen, man, and you're in a room and, I mean, Timmy, I mean, you've been with me at the, the Michael Guerin Hospital. They used to do a softball yep. tournament um, for, for mental health. And I know, Timmy, your family's been through much more than, than I could ever talk about. And God bless you for that. But, uh, you know, Ian Leggett and Jeremy Taggart, they do a, they do a golf tournament every summer. And you get 200 mostly men. You know, we think they're tough guys in a room and there's not a dry eye in the house. Yeah. And you're hugging guys you just met. I mean, I went up to Tom Cochran at that tournament and I said, Tom, um, you know, loved you ever since I was a kid. And I want you to know that when I was a kid, you know, I struggled with this for a long time and I I had one of your albums. And I know that Victory Day wasn't about, you know, what I was going through. It's a song actually about domestic abuse, but in my mind, in my 14, 15-year-old mind, I kept hearing that those lyrics, you know, 
if if you walk with we if you walk with me we'll get there some way on that victory day that's what the lyrics were in my mind and i just thought i'll get through this and that song from tom cochran got me through so many days and he didn't know that and i told him i gave him a hug for god's sakes he's probably thinking who's this weirdo <laughs> but i just wanted him to know how special that song was to me you know and uh it was uh if you open up the people they'll they'll listen and and ultimately, hopefully, point you in the in the right direction because I, you know, and, and when I did that story in the Star, I had a lot of people reach out to me through Twitter or Instagram, and you know, and I'd say thank you, and you know, I, I hope you get through this, and please, please uh, take this in the right direction because, as Mrs. Reed said, she can listen, and my brother can listen. Uh, they don't necessarily, but they they're not they're not trained psychologists, they're not yeah, trained they're not doctors. doctors. Yeah, yeah, so so get there, you know. Um, Kenny, permission to retweet the column? I know there's a page oh, yeah. there, but whatever. Yeah. I think yeah. uh, Tim and Sid, for those who haven't read yeah. that. Read. And can I say what, what um, actually made my day, too, the other day is somebody sent me the picture from that column and put Bernie Sanders in it on the bench beside me. Ken's <laughs> <laughs> on a bench for those listening. Yeah, it's actually amazing. Awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, I it's thought amazing. that was good. I thought that was good. Uh, uh, all right. I know. So, go ahead, Tim. No, no, both of you. Uh, we're both going to we're gonna fight to get to the I love that you told the story. <laughs> yeah, can I just say uh, something, and- though? As a dad now, um, one of my worries is as a dad, I have two sons, was I always thought, are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? And one of my little boys, um, he's a worrier, and he saw some idiot the other day, and I know that's probably not a nice word to be saying on this day, but I'll say it, uh, going on about how the world is going to end in three years. You know, because he's got this time warp or continuum or whatever. He heard it on Siri. I don't know. So my little guy, you know, believed it. And for two days, he's worried. He's worried. He's worried. He's talking about it. He's talking about it. And I'm trying to talk sense to him. And I'm saying, look at this thing on the wall. Son, it's a dirty in journalism. And that means your daddy searches for facts and only spreads the truth. And this guy is just some dude with his own YouTube channel. So I've got a kid who's probably a worrier. So my wife and I are being proactive about it. We... We got him a book that he reads. It just came the other day. So um, don't be afraid to bring it up with your children. And if, if they're worried, just talk to, them, talk to them about it. And it's okay for kids to worry. It's okay yeah. for anybody to worry. So, you know, uh, kids a lot of times won't open up to us, but they'll open up in a different way. You know, if, they, if they're really, really worried about something and they only want to sleep in mommy and daddy's bed and, they, you know, that's kind of their way of telling you. So just right. just be aware of that, and uh, that it's the earlier you find out, I think, the better. So, so for parents out there, just just be aware of it. Hmm. Kenny, we got no. Awesome. Listen, man, apologies, we have no time left. Uh-huh. But I, I think I think I think you should come back, and I think we need to continue this, and okay. I think we need to kind of open it up to some tweets because we can go another hour here on this topic. Sure, you, this easy, is really, really important. Well, well, uh, plus we got to get the FaceTime going because I have my feathered hair today. I'm right out of the shower. I got yeah. my. Junior I didn't want to say hair. anything. Dylan Brown at the fan sent us a pic. He, he looks like <laughs> he hasn't showered in yeah. eight years. It's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but, but before uh, I do go, Sid. I friggin' love you, buddy. You know that. And you're one of those people. And I miss you guys. And I love you too, Timmy. And I miss you guys. And you guys are the kind of people who walk in and make me smile. And Sid, man, I'm going to miss you so much around work. And uh, you don't have to lose my number like Faisal said. I, Ed, but I want to ask you, all the free stuff you get at work, can I get it now since you're not going to be here anymore? <laughs> all right, we got to go here on Sportsnet yeah, 590. The fan. Ken Reed, jo- no, uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. You we'll, get we'll talk so about the much freebies. free stuff. <laughs> well, meet me at Cabot then. Get me a tea time at Cabot. Oh, we'll call whoa, it even. Whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. They're yelling at us. Kenny, I love you. Ken Reed, the one and only. Thanks for the line, boys. See you, man. Uh, we'll react to that, that after this. 
Bye. Tim and Sid. And I cut Tim off. Way, way to end it, Sixero. Way to end it. <laughs> Drew writes in, tagging Kenny Reed and us, and says, great combo, guys. Ken, thanks for the story and love the part about your kids. I got two young boys as well, and it's important to talk and be honest with them with the hashtag Bell Let's Talk. Uh, Brian writes in and says, thank you, Ken, for what you said on Tim and Sid tonight. I can relate in some aspects, but more importantly, hashtag Bell Let's Talk. And listen, for those who don't know, we work for Rogers, but we're all on the same team today. And I've, I, I've, heard, I've heard some criticisms of the day, Sid. I don't know if you've seen them on really? the Internet as well. No, and I haven't. I've always said that this is uh, about more than one day. And to be honest with you, it's kind of rubbed me the wrong way because... I, I wish we could have the conversations 364 and not just this one day, but I've heard the criticisms of Bell and what they do, and let me just let you in on a secret. Nobody is perfect. No entity is perfect. You can hold people accountable while still seeing the good in them. Like, some of our greatest heroes were very flawed individuals because we're all human, and we all have flaws. So if it's the greater good that comes out of it that you can focus on and hold the rest accountable, it's not mutually exclusive. They're not two separate things. Just understand that these conversations are important, and then you can deal with the rest after it. And I think the, uh, the conversations are important. Yeah. Just kind of th – there are days where I don't <clears> – <throat> I'm not interested in that other noise. Like, I wasn't even aware of what you brought up there. But right. um, I don't care for it today. Because it's not about that to me. It's about something way more important. And by, and by the way, if anyone wants to comment to us about what Kenny just said to us, please tag him in that, at SN Ken Reed, and uh, make him a part of that compliment because he did not have to come on and tell that story the way he did, and he did. And we appreciate him. Uh, that one flew, McAuliffe. Good show. Yeah, it did. Um, let's see what the Jays do tonight. Seems to be hey. a bit of a pattern this week. Again, three North Division games this evening. You can kind of see them all across the Sportsnet family of channels. Check your local listings. We'll get you ready for the Raptors tomorrow. Uh, plenty going on here. And thanks again to Brian Burke and to Kenny the Jet Smith for showing up as well. This has been Tim and Sid live on TV and radio. As we leave you, don't forget, never forget.